Hello, it's Mike Richards here from the Treasury Recruitment Company. I hope you're enjoying the Treasury Career Corner. If you are, great news. Perhaps you give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. This means that even more Treasury professionals can benefit from finding out or by finding out about how Treasurers have achieved their career goals. The link to rate our show will list at the bottom of our show notes. And please remember as well, the show itself is as much about you as it is about us. If there are specific questions you want us to ask or there's feedback you want to give, please drop me an email. My direct email is mike at treasuryrecruitment.com, inventably enough. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Podcast, where I interview Treasury professionals about their Treasury careers. I really enjoy talking to Treasurers across the globe, um, and today we're going to be joined by Oliver Ice, the Group Treasurer of Johnson Matthey, the FTSE 100 company headquartered in the UK. They're a global leader in sustainable technologies, applying the cutting-edge sciences to create solutions for their customers. Well, hopefully, uh, Oliver can explain exactly what that means in a moment. Um, but Oliver himself, he has over 20 years' experience, gained in a variety of global and complex blue-chip organizations within Treasury. So he's worked in consumer goods, life sciences, chemicals. In addition to Treasury, he's also held a number of other corporate finance roles within M&A and investor relations, pensions and controlling. So he always looks around to uh, get variety within his career, but he can explain a bit more about that. In his current role as the group treasurer of Johnson Matthey, he's managed the financial risks of the business, including the usual traditional areas, if you like, of treasury, such as cash management, liquidity, foreign exchange, and interest and counterparty risk. He also works with working capital on the trade credit side as well for the uh, group and also is involved in the group's insurance program. Outside of his role at Johnson Matthey, he's a non-exec member of the Treasury Committee for Southern Housing Group, which we can touch on as well. They're a a large housing association in the UK, so he gets involved in a separate way. Really, um, you know, that's enough talking from me. I want to get my guests talking on the, uh, and talking about their careers. So, Oliver, if you would, uh, as we always do with ours, we, we go with our guests to talk about their, how they got their start in Treasury, how it's taken them through and how they've grown. And then we also talk about the future of Treasury and how they, you know, guests see Treasury developing in the future. But enough about me. Over to you, sir. Hi, Mike. And hello and welcome to everyone who is listening. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Um How I first uh, got into finance or treasury is that uh, after university, I started on the finance uh, graduate program with with Nestle. And I um, initially uh, started in the finance and control area and spent a bit of time in a chocolate factory, uh, which made me very popular with my friends at the time. And um, that that then led to, to other uh, roles. Um, I I moved into a pension fund investment role straight after that. And that basically brought me in contact with the financial markets and how they work in the real world. And after my role in the pension fund um, investment team, I was looking for a next move and uh, had to look at treasury because it was another role that was at the interface between the financial markets and and the company. And uh, I thought it would be a really uh, 
good and interesting next step. So that's how I first um, got into treasury. And um, I had a, a initial treasury role as the assistant treasurer of uh, Nestle UK, working in a business um, and supporting the business from a treasury point of view and, and, and partnering uh, with Nestle's business in the UK. Well, you also just, just go back a moment. You actually made some, you know, early part of your career, you're making moves location wise as well. So, you know, you perhaps cover that because you, you, you're originally from Germany. That, that's right. I, um, I, Originally started my career in Germany, uh, then moved to Switzerland, worked at Nestle's head office um, in the pensions team and initially also for a few months in their um, global treasury team and then uh, got an assignment in the UK uh, for for a few years, joining what was then a a small treasury team of of four. And the team was responsible for all areas of treasury, apart from the relationship with the credit rating agencies, which which was held um, centrally at head office. But otherwise, we had responsibility for all areas of treasury, ranging from cash management, short-term funding, medium-term and long-term funding, uh, foreign exchange, risk management, interest rate, risk management, um, and also the whole area of, of banking relationships. So it was a really good you know, training ground for yeah. me uh, because it gave me exposure to all areas of treasury. And also, you know, at the time, I um, started studying for the um, AMCT and then MCT exams. Uh, so I... Uh, you know, could could basically learn sort of the theory behind what I was practically doing on a on a day to day basis. So it was a fantastic you know training ground, and you know working in in a, in a sizable and, and complex uh, business um, at the time. So it was really really good fun. You worked actually for uh, the first guest on our podcast. That was uh, Sarah Jane Hall from GlaxoSmithKline, and she's very pro qualifications. Obviously, you were doing this at Nestle. Why did you feel that sort of doing the treasury qualifications, AMCT and MCT, why bother? You know, what did it give you? I think it gave me a really good grounding in what I was doing practically on a day-to-day basis to understand the instruments, um, the, the sort of background to what I was doing, the broader concepts. And also it gave me a great opportunity to network with other treasury professionals who were in similar roles, understand the challenges that different companies face, how they approach it in a different way. So it just gives you a much, much broader perspective um, than what you could just gather in your in your day-to-day role because you're exposed to different um, problems, different issues, and it allows you to think a bit more broadly and um, just get a, you know, a solid grounding in the profession which you um, which you were employed in, so it was it, it was a really good complementary um, yeah complementary program. And then you did that. You got your MCT, and you obviously developed your career. But then you made a move back to Switzerland, or how did that come about? Or you know what yes. was the situation? Yes, that's right. So I uh, I moved from assistant treasurer to uh, group treasurer of the uh, Nestle UK business. Um, And then after a few years, the opportunity came up to join uh, the investor relations team uh, back at head office in Switzerland again. And I always, you know, 
saw my career as a, as a corporate finance career with a specialization in treasury because that's where I had my, my professional qualification by then. And I thought this was a really you know, interesting opportunity to gain some experience in an area that I saw as, as adjacent um, to treasury. And because I saw myself as a you know, corporate finance professional, I wanted to get some experience in, uh, in these adjacent areas to treasury. And here I'm talking about um, the areas like investor relations, M&A, uh, pensions. Obviously, I'd, I'd worked in early in my career, commodities risk management, I thought it was an interesting um, area as well to, to, to cover. So, um, you know, that was obviously a really good opportunity to, um, to progress my career. And because I'd previously worked as, a, as an investor on the buy side in the pension fund, I, um, I had seen the other side of the table, so it was a really good opportunity to move into a more strategic role and, and work with, with senior management and the CEO and CFO of, of the company um, and, and creating that equity story and communicating that to the analysts and the equity investors. Well, then you, you talked there, you know, after 13 happy years, um, well, I, I know this firsthand, I, uh, you got approached by me. Um, yes, that's right. Was, it's all your fault. <laughs> a few years ago now, but uh, yeah, so uh, the role had come up at GlaxoSmithKline, uh, reached out to yourself. What, mm-hmm. You know, how was it different? Or, you know, how was the progression from Nestle and the culture of Nestle? You know, describe that to maybe the move to GSK and, you know, obviously you were continuing the growth of your career, but how did they differ? You know, what was the, what, what, what stood out to you sort of thing? Yes, I mean, culturally, I thought there were a lot of similarities which made the move relatively seamless. Obviously, I'd spent, you know, 13 years with Nestle, sort of from boy to man. So one of the incentives for leaving was actually to get to experience a different culture and uh, a different way of doing things and, and working again in a, in a global uh, treasury team and department um, where I would get exposure to large debt funding programs and also the relationship with the credit rating agency and so on. And I initially um, had a, a European remit and a European role again, supporting the European units um, in their treasury activities and then I was also supporting the group treasurer on the financing side with all the debt capital markets activities um, but I think culturally the move was was easy because there were lots of similarities it was an, an, another big global multinational business obviously the industry was was slightly different um, moving sort of from uh, food to, to pharmaceuticals but I actually thought you know culturally there were a lot of you know similarities in the way um, people interacted with each other and uh, so I, I found it a really you know in inverted commas e- easy move I mean, I, I spent um, about eight years in, in, in total with uh, GSK, the first six in, in Treasury and the last couple of years in, in M&A slash yeah. development. Um, and you're absolutely right, Mike. We uh, decided in 2011 to restructure the, the Treasury team. Um, by, by that time, we had also changed uh, chief executive and we had a new uh, CFO 
who, who joined in 2011 as well. And uh, we felt as a treasury leadership team that we needed to uh, structure treasury differently to better support the strategy of the company going forward. And at that time also, it was decided that uh, insurance risk management and uh, pension risk management would become part of the treasury by the treasury team as well. And then what we effectively did, we moved from a more regional structure um, where we had assistant treasurers for you know, Europe, the Americas and the rest of the world to a more functional structure where we created three centers of excellence, mm-hmm. um, one around corporate finance, which was effectively the um, financing of the company, um, managing the share buyback program, investments, uh, foreign exchange, interest rate risk management, the relationship with the credit rating agencies, sort of all these sort of um, corporate finance type of activities. Then we had a second work stream called Global Cash Management, which effectively did what it says on the tin, managing our cash globally, creating regional um, pools, either single currencies, uh, dollars, euros, or or multi-currency pools. Um, And and that was also done in combination with rolling out a global SAP system. And then in a third work stream, um, which we call Global Treasury Consultancy, we uh, aggregated all the regional treasury activities and created a team of people who would support the various regions around the world uh, on, the, on their treasury matters and uh, partner with the business to help them with their funding or you know, their risk management issues or bringing dividends back from markets, all these kind of yeah. activities. Yeah. And then you made the move within M&A sort of outside of treasury in some ways. Yes, that's right. So um, I left treasury for the, um, for the second time um, back in, in 2013 and moved into M&A uh, role. And it was, you know, again, one of these corporate finance areas, which I was always interested uh, in. And so the opportunity came up. So it was a fantastic um, moment to join the team because it was just before we announced um, a large transaction with Novartis at the time, an extremely complex transaction as well. Many market commentators said that you you, you can't pull it off because it's just too complicated and complex. Um, but, but we did. So what we effectively did is we swapped uh, uh, two assets. So we uh, bought Novartis vaccine business and we sold them our oncology business. And then we created a leading uh, consumer healthcare joint venture where both companies brought uh, their respective assets uh, into a new um, joint venture. So it was a fantastic, you know, project to be involved in. And and my role then was mainly to deal with the antitrust disposal of two vaccines assets, which was a linchpin transaction within the overall deal, uh, because it was a requirement to get the overall deal approved to dispose of um, a couple of vaccines products because there, were, there was some overlap with uh, products that we bought from Novartis, a part of the transaction. And then, uh, well, I came knocking again on, you know, but this was with the approval of Sarah James. She wasn't shouting at me, so that was a good thing. <laughs> um, but the the role, obviously, Johnson Matthew approached me, group treasurer position, obviously FTSE 100, the number one job. 
was that you know that obviously was something that appealed to you, Johnson Matthew. But what else did you think about, or you know, when the role came through, what did you think? What were your thoughts? Yes, I mean it's absolutely what you said. It's always been an ambition of mine to become the group treasurer of a large and sizable um, global international business, and and Johnson Matthew was exactly that type of business uh, as a company we turn or I would say it's about 4 billion pounds. We have 14,000 employees uh, in more than 30 countries. So there was this global remit. Um, and also in terms of what the company does, you know, I thought it was an excellent opportunity to move into a, a, a new sector, even though we have a small um, health business, which uh, is in, in the pharmaceuticals space. So, so there was uh, a business which I had previous experience with, uh, but the other businesses were fairly new to me. And um, it is it is a smaller business than the blue chip companies I've worked for before, but it is uh, still a reasonably complex business and had an interesting um, commodity anchor to it as well. So it was a, a fabulous opportunity for me to, to make that step up to uh, into the number one role. I hope you're enjoying this week's show. I just want to interrupt briefly to invite you to be part of what we know to be the best global treasury salary survey in the world. They're bold words, I know, but it's true. We're just approaching the 500 participant mark, so it's a survey of real value, but we still need your help. All you need to do to take part is visit treasurysalary.com. Takes about two minutes of your time from start to finish. And as a reward for taking part, you receive a free copy of our 200-page Global Treasury Salary Survey. It's a real practical use to you. Whether you're a Treasury Analyst in Chicago or a Global Treasurer in London, we give you the numbers you need. In the simplest terms, our survey helps you as a Treasury professional understand what you should be paid. We benchmark your Treasury compensation in relation to your peers, both locally and globally. So when you are next asking your boss for that long overdue pay rise, and you know you deserve one, well, you have the practical facts you need. Just visit treasurysalary.com, and I look forward to sending you the next copy of the survey. That's enough from me. Let's get back to the show. So, Oliver, you uh, three years as the group treasurer uh, at Johnson Massey. What would you say has been the real highlight for you there and the time that you've done and the difference you've made to the business? Okay, I think there were a couple of things um, that I would like to mention. One is that uh, shortly after I arrived, I um, looked at the group's capital structure, given that we had just disposed of um, a, a relatively large uh, business. And um, I proposed a, a 300 million special, special dividend um, to, to the board. So that was quite an interesting piece, piece of work. Um, and I also, in my current role, have a lot more interaction with the board and the executive committee and the, the audit committee as well on, on a regular basis. So I think that's, uh, that's definitely you know, a, a highlight um, in my current role. And then I've also been involved in a number of value-adding projects, um, one around working capital. We have substantially improved the way we um, manage working capital at JM. We have reduced the average number of working capital days by nearly 10 days um, over the last year. So that takes about 100 million of our balance sheet, which, which um, is a relatively large number. 
for a group of group of our size, and I had the opportunity to work with the businesses and with my colleagues on the finance leadership teams um, around. Uh, educating people across the business on on working capital, why it's important, what they can do to improve it, and also driving some actions and accountabilities and timelines against those uh, to to improve and reduce working capital um, o- over time. So I, I think that's been a really great project to be involved in. And looking at yourself, you you've come from accounting trainee to group treasurer FTSE 100. You know, you've achieved a lot of stuff up through GlaxoSmithKline to JM and things and, and potentially looking to the future. But what would you say, you know, someone starting out their career early stages, you know, they want a career that, oh, actually, that's what I want to do. I want, I want to, you know, replicate some of the successes that you've had. What advice would you give to those, you know, maybe more junior people or those guys joining mm-hmm. the profession coming up in the early days? And you probably had some of them in the Johnson Matthew team as well. Yeah, yeah. I think my advice would be you know, move, move around in terms of roles, countries, companies. I think you always learn something new when you move into a new role or a, a different company or culture and environment. Uh, I, I think that would definitely be uh, something that I would encourage people earlier on in their career to do. Um, and then I think once you've found something that you like or or you want to specialize in then uh, really sort of focus and and try to you know move up and and progressively take on more responsibility and the other advice i would give is get involved in those projects that um might be going on in your uh area or in your department and look for opportunities to to learn new things and in that way you know, develop as you go along. And um, particularly, I think projects and project management, I think is a great skill to to have. So look for these opportunities and, and get involved. And when you're, obviously you're on a podcast, you know, full disclosure, so people know, hosted by us, the Treasury Recruitment Company. And as I've said, I, you know, I've placed you twice in your career, very successfully at GlaxoSmithKline at Johnson Matthey. But you said about those junior guys when they're, you know, when you're recruiting, if you like, and you're looking at them, obviously you're going to be look, maybe looking at their CV or resume and, and trying to look for those project management skills or look for some of those other things. What are the other things that you particularly look for as a treasurer, um, you know, in terms of is it qualification or treasury expertise or mm-hmm. how do you assess people? You know, what, what yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it obviously depends, you know, on – on, on the role that I'm recruiting for. But I think generally what I'm looking for is right fit in terms of company culture, but also in terms of team, you know, working working in the team and, and fitting in uh, into my team. I'm also looking at uh, professional qualifications. I think um, they ensure a certain level of knowledge and standard and for the treasury roles, obviously the, the ACT qualifications, I think, um, are a very good indicator uh, that someone comes with a certain uh, knowledge and, and, and a certain skill set. Um, I also look for energy and drive um, and also desire to m- move around um, either, you know, within treasury or within the, the, the company more broadly. 
So if, if someone wants to specialize in treasury, that's absolutely fine. A lot of people move into treasury and they enjoy it and want to stay in treasury. But other people, they move into treasury and realize, mm, actually, not quite sure. It's quite specialist um, and maybe a bit niche. I, I'd rather uh, develop into a more uh, general finance um, professional and you know I've I've had people who joined uh, my treasury team and then they moved out into the broader finance team um, either um, into internal audit or business finance so so I think different people can take um, different career paths and, and that's yeah. absolutely fine with me yeah and looking, one thing I would say, you know, for the anyone that's listening to the podcast, you'll also notice we run a video podcast on a on a Friday. Uh, it comes with a company of videos. We recently have, uh, met up with eight treasurers, Oliver being one of whom. We asked about their careers, but also focused on where they see the future of treasury. Without you know covering that in too much ground, there are a number of challenges facing treasurers. You know, you've got Brexit. You talked earlier that. You know, hopefully treasures aren't going to be replaced by robots and we keep talking about this. What do you, you know, as we wrap up today's show, I just wanted to maybe you know, look to the future. You know, what do you see as the future challenges coming at treasurers? And, you know, what do you think treasurers should be doing and treasury professionals to cope with those and, you know, going forward? Yes, I think there are probably three areas I would, I would point to. One is I think there will be continuous demand on the treasurer to get more involved with the business and help um, the businesses with their treasury issues, but also more broadly, you know, for example, I could get involved in working capital, trade credit, risk management, um, in addition to the more tr traditional areas of cash management, foreign exchange risk, and so on. So I think that, that, that we continue. The other area that I see continuing as well is automation and centralization. I think um, treasuries will continue to look for efficiencies uh, to you know, process larger volumes with the same amount of people, but, but um, new technology and better technology. Um, and then that will allow the treasuries, particularly you know, in global companies, to centralize more of their activities. Um, and, you know, with, with technology also comes risk, I think. Um, I mean, cyber risk and, and payment fraud is, is, is particularly um, uh, in, in, in focus at the moment. And mm. I think a lot of treasuries get exposed to to these types of new risks um, that need, need to be managed and, and, and thought about and mitigated. Um, and then thirdly, I would say com com compliance has become um, a more, unfortunately, a more prevalent topic. Um, I think if someone is able to come up with a more efficient solution, how to manage KYC and, and bank account management and these kind of areas, I, th I think that would be a huge improvement. And there's any sort of new technology that comes out with helping treasuries to become more efficient in that space, um, that, that would be uh, you know, a, an enormous win. So yeah, I, I think, think those, those are probably the three areas I, I would point out. Okay. Brilliant. I mean, thank you for your time today. Um, yeah, it's fantastic to say if you want to sort of, you know, see a bit more and find out a bit more about Oliver, you just need to look at one of the, uh, any of the videos we've got. We talk about the start in Treasury, by the way, through someone's careers as well. Um, 
other ways that people can connect to you? They can potentially connect via LinkedIn. I know, know you're active on there as well. Yes, that's right. I've got a LinkedIn profile, so um, you, you, you can definitely reach out to me and connect, connect uh, with me there. Great stuff, and and thank you for your time, and you know, and, and I know that our uh, our listeners thank you as well. Yeah, thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks everybody for listening. Thanks very much. <laughs>